Take your Bible, go to Romans 13. While you're turning there, you got everybody get a book this morning? You family, all your families get a book? Okay, you got one, just raise your hand if you got a book. Did you get a book? All right, good, good. I'm going to talk about this book in point number four today. So uh, we'll explain it to you and how you can use it. And that'll be a good thing. So hang on with it. If you didn't get one, go by one of the three tables that are out in the foyer up on the mezzanine, and uh, we'll get you the King's Voice that uh, our team's put together. And it's right there for you to help us lead us up to Easter and take us out of Easter. So uh, you get a copy for your family, and that'll be a good, good thing. Romans chapter 13, we're looking at this entire chapter today in a message entitled, Wake Up! Wake Up! Wake Up! Romans 13, let's stand, and as we stand, I'll read you follow along in Romans 13. We're on our feet. Romans 13, beginning in verse number 1, you follow along with me and you listen because this is God's blessed and inerrant word. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, And make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Father, I pray you'll give us ears to hear, a tongue to speak. And I pray, Lord, you would work a work of grace in all of us this day. Build the church and exalt the name of King Jesus is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you and be seated. In Matthew 26... If you've read your Bible, you know the story. Jesus has gone to the mountain to pray, and while praying, he leaves Peter, James, and John and goes away and prays, and when he comes back, he finds them dead asleep. And he said, could you not wait and pray for one hour? Rise, rise. Could you not stay awake for at least an hour and keep what? 
Paul speaks of that in Ephesians 5 in verse 14. For this reason it says, quoting from Isaiah, I believe it's the 29th chapter, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, sleeper. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Arise from the dead. Well, in our text today in verse 11, he says that you know it's time. Already the hour is for you to awaken from sleep. I want you to think with me about wake up. And we're waking up to some things today in this text that I want you to see in this 13th chapter of Romans. Number one, Paul exhorts us to wake up to God's authority. Notice the very first verses that we read. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. Wake up to the authority of God. God has raised up governments. He does not say what kind. He just says he's put order in the culture, and order is there through the government, and that is the authority. It says they are the minister of God. Our word that we find there comes from blessedness of God, that they are the authority. We are to wake up to God's authority. Two things I want you to see about that. First of all, I want to just make a clarion call today for rulers and magistrates and commissioners and city councilmen and governors and senators and anyone else who is elected to any post that you would wake up to your responsibility and your responsibility, verse 4, that God has given you is to stand against evil. When evil arises, the government is to stand against that evil. That is what you are elected to do. And if you won't do that, you ought to be kicked out and somebody else placed in your place. If you will not defend the borders of this nation, I'm telling you, it's time to fix it. There are 28 places on the border of Texas alone for people to cross legally. There is no place for people to walk across a river or on a boat and come illegally into the United States of America to our magistrates. Fix it. Fix it. Fix it. It is your job. Not only the border crisis, but the crime crisis. I am amazed at what I see. And people walking into stores with bags and just picking up stuff and walking out. And no one being arrested. Nobody being adjudicated. Nothing. Fix it. Fix it. Support the police and let them do their job against looting and stealing in our streets. Right down the road, there is a new Dollar General uh, market. Not far from my house, and I go in there. I went in the other night at 10 minutes to 10. I had to get one item, and I went in, and I found it, and I went up to the front, and I looked around. I was the only person I could find in the store with a heartbeat. I'm telling you, there wasn't anybody there. The door came when I walked up. It flew open, and I thought, well, are they closed? 
There was not a salesperson. They, maybe they were going to the bathroom. I don't know. And I got to the front, and it hit me. Everybody else is doing it. Well, bless God, just because everybody's doing it doesn't make it right. I tried. I went up. It took me I don't know how long because nobody would take my money. I had to get out a credit card and try to. <laughs> Finally, I got it to spit that thing out and said, thank you very much. And I, I went out the door and I turned around and I looked back. I couldn't find his. I went out, a lady came in. I said, get whatever you want. <laughs> Maybe the cameras were, I don't know. We joke about it. But let me tell you, friend, just because the world steals doesn't mean you ought to steal. And magistrates ought to fix this. When it comes to the abortion issue, it's time for magistrates. It's time for people to stand up. Thank God for what they voted in Alabama this week. They did a great job, and I commend them for that. And when people do right, you ought to commend leaders for doing the right thing. Abortion is the killing of innocent children in the womb. We ought to stand for life, and we ought to elect people that do stand for life. This morning, I simply call for rulers and magistrates, commissioners, and rulers of all kinds. Wake up! to your responsibility but now flip that coin over those of us that have not been elected the rest of us are the citizens here we've got a responsibility too. wake up verse 6 and 7 tells us that when there's a law in front of you obey the law verse 6 because of this you pay your tax rulers and servants are good devoting themselves to this very thing Tax for whom tax, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. You need to give honor to that person that does right. April 15th, right around the corner, and it's our most favorite day of the year, amen? No, but you pay. How'd you get to church this morning? Well, if you came in a car, you rode on a road. Who paved that road? You didn't pave it. You put money in the pot and it paid there's the reason we have a culture. We come together, we do our job, and we do it right. Citizens, if you want to be scared of the law, just break it. But when you do the right thing, no fear. That's what he says in the text. Citizenship, give tax and custom, fear and honor, and simply give obedience. There is no authority except God, and we need to wake up to God's authority all around us in our culture. Secondly, we need to wake up to love your neighbor. Notice what he says in verses 8, 9, and 10. Uh, Owe nothing to anyone except, here's your debt. This is love's debt. Verse 8, owe nothing except to love one another. Mm -hmm. For who loves his neighbor has fulfill the law that's love's debt you owe that to the people around you love one another it's what chris prayed right here did he not pray that he hadn't heard this sermon yet he's praying oh god help us love our neighbor there's love's debt there's love's duty in verse number nine it says the word of god says don't commit adultery don't murder don't steal don't covet if there's any other commandment it's summed up in this you shall love your what neighbor love your neighbor love your neighbor as yourself it's not just the people who live next door to you. Jesus gave us that wonderful parable when the lawyer asked him, well, then who is my neighbor? <laughs> he tells about that man coming, 
finding the one that was wounded. And he said, who do you think proved to be his neighbors, the one who showed mercy toward him? It's love's debt. It's love's duty. Verse 10 gives us love's desire. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That's love's desire. We are to love our neighbors. The last few days, I've been flying all over the place. I've been to the Atlanta airport four times in three days. Up to Memphis, back through here, down to Fort Myers, back yesterday coming, and uh, over to Mobile driving and preaching. And a couple of those appointments had been things that had been canceled else, and they came, and I, I shouldn't have done it, but uh, I'd promised, and so they changed, and, and I went. Well, I'm coming back last night from Fort Myers uh, and, and flying to Atlanta, and there's a beautiful young 25-year-old girl sitting next to me, so she's my neighbor. And we're about 10 minutes up, and she starts this. And she drank water. And I'm like, can somebody get me out of here? I'm like. <laughs> and, and the Spirit of God whispered and said, you know, you're going to preach tomorrow about loving your neighbor. And I said, Lord, who is my neighbor? He said, the nut next door. That's your neighbor. I said, I don't want to love my neighbor. I didn't know what to do with that. So finally, I began to talk to her, and, and, and she told me she was a hippie that lived in South Dallas in, in a commune uh, of young people who believed in energy healing. I don't even know what that is. And she just kept doing it. So I decided to just jump in the fray. And I reached down in my travel bag and I pulled out this book. I said, all right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do your stuff. <laughs> and so I just started reading today's text. I'm reading, reading. And she looks over at me. She said, you read the Bible? I said, I do. And she said, what is your favorite chapter in the Bible? And I just said, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, that's my favorite part. I didn't know what to say. She started her gyrations again. In a minute, she looked over at me. She said, can I read your Bible? I'd like to read Matthew 5. <laughs> and she started taking pictures of it with her phone, reading through. She read the whole chapter. I mean, everybody. And, and then she, in about five minutes, she handed it back to me. She said, thank you. And I thought, what did she do to this book? <laughs> I guess that's the most scripture I ever shared with somebody on a plane. Dear friend, you'll run into all kinds of people. Your job is to love your neighbor. You're not going to win them all. Some of them are going back to a commune in South Dallas. And they're going to have energy healing. I, don't, I, I tried to find it on the internet. and it, it wouldn't even tell me what it was. I found all kind of stuff. She had notes. The power of the octagon was one of the things. I kept 
sneaking a peek. He had volumes of Who's around you you need to love? Wake up! God put you there for a purpose. Wake up! They're your neighbor. Love them in Jesus' name. Wake up to the authority of God. Wake up to the love of your neighbor. Thirdly, wake up to personal holiness. Notice verses 12, 13, 14. The night's almost gone, the day is near, therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness. There's the warfare of holiness. It's found in verse 12 where he says, put on the armor of light. If you're going to live a holy life, you're in a war. There's a godless world coming against you, and you must dress in the armor of light. Put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Stand in the armor of light and fight the fight of warfare and be ye holy, 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 says the Lord. Wake up to the warfare of holiness. But not just the warfare. There's the walk of holiness. It's found in verse 13. Let us behave. (laughs) Behave properly as in the day. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Friend, get out of the bottle. Get out of your liquor. You say, well, I just socially drink. Well, let me tell you, the best way to stay sober is never take the first drink at all. Behave properly. Not in carousing, not in drunkenness. Not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality. Pornography is a billion-dollar industry. It's not found on your television or with the Playboy magazine anymore. It's found on the phone that you got in your hand, your pocket, and your purse. It's right there. Just the flick of a button. It'll kill you. Behave. Wake up. If you've got a porn problem, get some help. Run from it like a rattlesnake on a playground. It'll kill you. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin your marriage. It'll ruin your life. Behave properly. Not in sexual promiscuity. Don't be unfaithful to your mate. Don't abuse anybody. Wake up. Lord, help us wake up. The walk of holiness. Behave. Don't live in strife and jealousy. Mm. Don't be just fighting with everybody. Twitter in the Greek means strife. It's not Twitter now, it's X. Makes you cross with everybody. Just mad as Hades all the time. Don't live in strife and jealousy. Get rid of that mess. Behave properly. Not only the warfare, the walk, but then the wardrobe. It's found in verse 14. Notice your wardrobe. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Put on the Lord Christ. Amen. Over in Antioch. 
the Bible says, you, you know, the word Christian is not even a word that we used about ourselves in the Bible. The lost called the church Christians. We were calling ourselves people of the way, followers, disciples, learners of Christ. But when they saw the disciples in Antioch, they acted like their Lord Jesus, and the lost people began to say about them, they are Christians. Little Christ, they're acting like Christ Jesus. Oh, man, what, what a great word. Would anybody say about you, he's a Christian? The house where we live, we bought from a sweet lady, Mavis Oliver. I remember walking up and down the street, and people asked me, he said, you, you bought the Oliver place? I said, yes. And I remember one guy said to me, he said, now, Mavis, there was a real Christian. That was the word he said to me. That's a real Christian. As if to imply there's some fake ones walking around. Christians, they, they're, they're robed in Christ. Put on his righteousness, not yours. Use his language, not yours. Use his demeanor, not yours. Use his love, not Be robed with the Lord Jesus. Let them call you a fanatic. Amen. Just gone to seed on Jesus. Wake up to personal holiness. And number four. Verse 11 says we ought to wake up to the rapture. Wake up to the rapture. Notice it back over verse 11. Do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to wake up from your sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. I'm telling you, friend, he's coming again. He's coming. King Jesus is coming. He's coming again. It's closer today than it was yesterday. If he doesn't come today, it'll be closer tomorrow than it was today. He could come right now. Amen. If the rapture came right now, some deacon going to have to finish his service. I'm gone. I'm out of here. Somebody going to have to do it. All right? Somebody pray the benediction. Let me tell you, if the rapture came right now, there'd be a lot of praying going on in this church house. You hear me? The Lord's coming. You say, oh, preacher, that, that's just like some fairy tale thing. You, you don't have to believe that. You, you don't have to believe it. You don't. You say, well, I just believe people die. You just put them in the ground. That's it. You can believe that if you want to. That's all right. You, you believe that. You just believe that we're in this life. That's all there is. You, you just get all you can. And, and then when it's over, they put you in a box, bury you, and, and life's up and over. Okay. If it's that way, good. But if I'm right, you're in trouble. Because I'm telling you, he's coming again. He's alive. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And the Lord's going to look over at him one day and say, Son, go get your children. The Bible speaks about it. Jesus, over in Matthew 24, listen to this, verses 42, 43, and 44. Matthew, he says, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to, allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour when you do not think he will. He's coming. Then when you back up in verses 40 and 41 of Matthew, then there will be two men in a field. One will be taken, one will be left there be two women grinding at the mill one will be taken one will be left 
There'll be two teaching school, one will be left at the desk, one will be taken. There'll be two men working in the factory, one will be taken, the other will be left. I'm telling you, he's coming again. That's Jesus' words. That's why we put this little book together. That's out of Matthew. We're going to read Matthew starting the first day of March. For 28 days, there's 28 chapters. You read through one chapter every day with your family. A few little questions there that you talk about. And that's going to lead us right up to Good Friday. And we'll come here on Good Friday. We have the Lord's Supper. And you'll have read the King's voice right up. You're going to read everything Jesus said about himself, what Matthew said. And we're going to read. You get one of these books out there in the foyer. Get you a shirt like the one I got on right here, all right? I give you the book for free. I'll sell you two of these for $30. Get you a book. Be a part. Wear a shirt. Somebody said, what's that about? We're having a big Easter time. Invite people to Easter service. It's leading us all up to the Lord's table. And then after Easter comes April 1st, the devil's day. Every fool said in his heart, there is no God. We'll start reading on April 1st, and then there are selected readings in here. And this book is meant to get us right up to Easter, and then after Easter, it's to take us into mission, into baptism, membership, service, and what God would have us do, and we'll read for three weeks after. So get you a book and be a part of that. We're reading this morning from Matthew's Gospel, and, and we see that Jesus said, I am coming, and when I come, one will be taken, other will be left. Paul spoke about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. I use this verse almost every time I go to the graveyard. When I go somewhere and bury people, I usually read this verse. I tell the folks there, I said, now it's always quiet. Listen. And it's just kind of like this out in the cemetery and everybody's quiet, waiting, see what we're going to do. And then this is my word. Most of the time I say, well, while it's quiet today, this is going to be the noisiest acreage in Escambia County one of these days. Because the dead in Christ is going to get up. Oh, yes, sir, what a day it's going to be. Paul describes it. He says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Now, let me tell you, friend, he's not sending a committee. He's not sending Elijah. He's not sending somebody. The Lord himself is going to come. He's going to step out on the clouds of glory, and the Lord himself will descend from heaven. He's coming from the east. That's why when we bury people, we use that uh, illustration that we put your head to the, uh, your feet to the east and your head to the west so that when Jesus comes, you sit up out of that tomb, you see him coming. That's the reason we bury people like we do. The Lord himself's coming. Jesus is coming. He's coming. He's coming. And he's coming with a shout. I wonder what he's going to shout. It doesn't tell us what he's going to shout. What do you think he's going to shout? Just tell me. Just shout it out. What do you think he's going to say? I could be. You might be right. It doesn't tell us. He says he's coming with a shout. I had one guy come by after the second service, first service this morning. He came by. I said, he said, Pastor, I tell you what he's going to say. He's just going to step out, and he's just going to say these words, I am. That'd probably do it, wouldn't it? I kind of like that. The I am is here. I am. Oh, we know who that is. 
I don't know what he's going to shout, but he's going to shout. He's coming with a shout. And then the voice of the archangel, archangel, is coming with, with that kind of voice. And with the trumpet, the trumpet of God. Oh, Gabriel's licking his lips. He's getting ready. Going to be a trumpet, a shout, and Jesus is going to come. And then the Bible says that the dead in Christ, those that have already died, are going to get up, get up. Somebody said that means the Baptists are going first, the dead in Christ. I don't want that. That's not what that means, all right? It could be. But those that have died, they've been buried, they're going to get up. And then we that are alive and remain. I go out to Barrancas. We do a lot of services. We go out to Barrancas. A lot of people are buried, of course, here with the Navy and military. Nearly every time that I stand there for the grave spot, you have to stop because there's a plane coming through. You can't speak over that. Well, I got to think another day. There's going to be a day when that jet comes in there. The Lord's going to come and everybody in there is going to go straight right by that jet. And if that old boy's lost in there, he may land that plane and lose his soul. But if he's saved, he gets a head start. Right, he's gone. <laughs> Dead in Christ, going to get up. Going to get up. Wake up. He's coming. You ought to live like he's coming. Wake up. Oh, the church can get so slumbering and slothful and sleepy. God help us wake up. I was standing out there in the foyer after first service. Dr. Passmore came by me, put his arm up around me. He said, Pastor, try to be a little more pointed in the second service than you were in the first service. I said, I'll do my best, sir. I'll do my best. Dear friend, it's time to get up, time to wake up, time for some of you to get saved this morning. You're not ready, you ought to come. He's coming, you ought to come and be ready for him to come. If you're here today and I ought to give you a life, to, then you ought to come right here and come today. It's time to wake up. I never read a text like this. I don't think about myself as a senior in high school. We play ball on Friday night. It's the fall. Win a game, it's good. We win most of the time. And we have a date after the game. Get home late. Go to bed. Then it's Saturday morning. That's the busiest day at the IGA. You got to go to work at my house on Saturday morning. So you're in the bed, you don't want to get up. Mother comes three times. She always comes three times. She comes in the first time. She says, time to get up. She goes on. She'll be back in a minute. And she says, it's time to get up. But if she has to come back a third time, she reaches right up under your chin, and she gets the cover. And she rips the covers off. She said, I said, get up. I've been praying the Holy Ghost ripped the covers off your life this morning. Amen. God just ripped the covers off and said, get up, get up, get up. Get. It's time to wake up and be about 
the Father's business you have slept long enough.